Hello there and welcome to a, another edition of the Chiropractic Wide podcast. Today, um, I have the immense amount of pleasure to uh, be allowed to speak with somebody who has given a lot of their time and energy over numerous amounts of years to this wonderful profession of ours, someone who, who studied at the Fountainhead himself in some of those amazing formative years and someone that uh, I'm sure we could all learn a lot from. Um, that introduction really doesn't do the man justice. The guy's won awards and, and served the profession lots of different ways. Um, but today joining us is Dr. Jack Donovan. It's great to have you here today with us, Jack. Yeah. Can you hear me nice and clear there, Jack? No, I can, yes. Perfect. Just for those people listening, give us a little introduction about yourself, um, where you studied, and what you are currently up to at your, your right old, old age now. <laughs> I, uh, I took my undergraduate work at the University of South Dakota, took two years of undergraduate work, and then I graduated from Palmer College in 1950. Lucky so I'm, I'm 91 years old, and I've been in active practice since uh, since I graduated. I, I was amazed when we got into when someone put us in touch. That the line that I basically got was, "There's a 91 year old guy who's still practicing and is on fire. You've got to get this guy on tape." So that was, uh, and luckily enough, we reached out on Olive Branch, and Dr. Donovan was very kind to spend some time with us. You mentioned there about. Um, about going to Palmer back in, when was it that you graduated, sorry, sir? 1950. 1950. How did you end up going to, to Palmer? What was the story behind well, that? I come from a family of chiropractors. So, and your father, when had he graduated and studied? My father graduated in 1926, I think it was. He was a great friend of BJ's. Uh, sometime, I'll send you some pictures of BJ and my dad, my mother. That's awesome. Some, some special pictures I have of BJ. I'll copy them off and send them to you. You, uh, someplace along the line, you send me your email address. Yeah, I, definitely. I'll, I'll, we'll make sure we get you that afterwards. So, so you, you grew up all around this. Yeah, I was in chiropractic. I was in chiropractic family. I've never had, I never had any inoculations. Never had anything until I went into the service. Uh, went to the Korean War, and I, the, I had a smallpox inoculation that damn near killed me. Wow. Developed a right neck of oh great, uh, oh it was it was a terrible thing. And a chiropractor in a small town in Indiana saved my life. That was uh, what was the story behind that? Well, I was I was transferring from from Des Moines to Bangor, Maine, and I had had this smallpox shot, and I was so sick, so sick driving the car, and I was I had a torticollis of right neck, and it was so awful. And I stopped into this, I came to in small town to Indiana, and there was a chiropractic office, and I saw it, and it was in the, in the evening, early evening. And I walked in, he had a reception room full of people, and he, as I walked in the door, he looked at me and he said, you're next. And he took me in, and he put me on a high-low table, laid me face down, turned my head, and he adjusted my axis. And <laughs> I tell you what. The world came to an end, I thought, for a minute. <laughs> We've all had that moment. <laughs> my God, it was something else. But within within minutes, I knew I knew innately that I was going to be better. He kept me in town that night, kept me and put me in a motel uh, just to see how I was going to be the next morning, out of his goodness of his heart. And uh, uh, in the middle of the night, I, the 
the fever broke and I took the took the took those the the, the shades off the the drapes off the windows to cover up. I was freezing, and uh, but the next morning I was a hundred and ten percent better. So I was so grateful for that man. So grateful for that man. That's so the, when did you were you involved in the Korean War? Was that before or after your time at Palmer? Was after. That was after. So after. even so, before then, when when you were at the college, when you first went, can you remember who who who, who held your first lecture? Can you remember these stuff? Oh, at, at Palmer? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, my first, my, I wasn't too sure uh, that chiropractic was going to be my home for the future. I, I wasn't too sure, but because the family was so imbued with it, I, my dad said, you better try it. <laughs> and he listened a, to your dad back in those days. <laughs> I had a philosophy instructor by the name of Galen Price. Really? And within six weeks' time, I knew what I knew, I knew, I knew. I knew that I found a home. I knew that I found a vocation for the rest of my life. And I, you couldn't have dragged me out of there with a team of horses. It was, I was just locked in because of the philosophy of chiropractic. Philosophy of chiropractic is what, what sold me before I ever adjusted anybody. It was the philosophy of chiropractic. At the time, it must have been just some energy around that place and around those buildings. Oh. Energy was the energy was enormous. It, it was enormous. <laughs> it was just enormous. Uh, everybody was. BJ used to call it spizzerinkdom. We were full of spizzerinkdom. We were ready to go. So, did did you have classes yourself taught by BJ Palmer? No, he was not teaching fully that time. He would give lectures to the groups, to groups. But no, uh, I had the privilege of introducing BJ one time at a meeting. At and uh, my introduction was a bit long, and he stood up with his watch in his hand, and he said, time's up, and he started to speak, and he said, lock the doors, because he wouldn't let anybody come in or go out when he was, when he was speaking. And uh, he just let you know that you, were, you had a lot to prove before he was going to give you any time of day. But so was, when, when, you, when you joined the program, how long was the course at that time? 18 months. 18 months. So within, you said within six, eight weeks you were in. And then what there. happened? What was the story after, after that? How was the rest of the time at college? How did you find it all? It was a crazy time you were at college there. There was so much stuff going on. Oh, the crazy time at college, crazy time at college. And we were, we were uh, scrambling for patients for the, for the clinic. And we were only allowed to just act Atlas at the time. And we all wanted to get our hands full spine. And BJ was having a difficult time keeping us keeping us organized and but uh, we learned we learned atlas really 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 well we had, i lived i lived with a dr lyle sherman I really with, yeah that's where i lived while i was in college i would i would have loved to have heard some of those conversations he was oh he was a brilliant kind kind wonderful man wonderful man uh, a wonderful man he just lived a block from the college and uh, he had he and his wife, and he had they had two daughters, which were lovely people. But they uh, they were they were really kind to me, really kind. I I got the mumps while I was in college, and Lau Sherman adjusted me. And the next morning, this is crazy. The next morning, I got up and got on a bus and went home. Traveled. <laughs> I had the but I wasn't sick. I still had the most, but I wasn't sick anymore. 
Oh God, that was something. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> I just took a brief, brief holiday while I had the mumps and then came back. <laughs> brief, <laughs> brief. So, so then you go away and you, you spend your time in service of your country. Yes. yes. And how long, I, how long was I, that hiatus from practice then? That was, that was an interesting story. I, I got out and I was practicing in my dad's clinic. And this lady that was there was from the draft board. And she told me, she said, your name's going to come up. You're going to get drafted. If you want to find a service that you like, you better go join or you're going to get drafted for two to three or four years. You don't know how long you're going to be. So she said, I'll let you know when your draft board's going to, when your notice is going to come in the mail. So she called me on a Thursday and she said, you called me on a Wednesday and said, your draft notice is going in the mail. As soon as you had it, you had to. So you better go to Des Moines and list someplace. So I went to Des Moines and there was, you could enlist in the Marines for 18 months. So I'm standing there with my clothes in my hand, getting ready to take a Marine physical. And this old sergeant come out of the door and he said, where's Donovan? And I, my brother said, God, don't volunteer for anything. Just don't volunteer. But this man kept hollering for Donovan. So I stepped up and he said, come with me. And he took me in the room and he said, are you a chiropractor? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, I'm going to save your life. A chiropractor saved my daughter's life, and I'm going to save your life. And he called for the called the Air Force, and see, I'm going to get you a place in the medics in the Air Force. And he did, and I joined the Air National Guard that afternoon, and that was on a Thursday. And we came to to go out to celebrate on a Saturday night that I was going to stay home and fight the war and could still practice. And the, the announcement came over that that uh, the 132nd medical group had been called for active duty and I had to report for duty on Sunday. Wow. And I went, went back to Des Moines, report for duty, and they sent me to a medical field service school at Brook Army General Hospital in San Antonio, Texas. Wow. I was there for, maybe this is more than you want to know about. I, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm interested in all of this stuff. I was, I was there for uh, three months three months course in, in uh, just medical knowledge yeah, and medical, medical hospital care. And there were 22 of us in the class. 21 of them got shipped to Korea and I got shipped and I got shipped to Bangor, Maine to be the registrar of a base hospital. Now, I don't know how that came about, that that's what came about. The, my mother said it had to do with a lot of prayers, but it probably did. No, no doubt there's a lot of, a lot, of hands, a lot of hands make light work, I suppose, in, in those things. In the, so uh -huh. you, you take this time off of practicing. Obviously, it's hard for somebody of my generation to really understand, you know, what any war really does to any nation or, or a culture at any time. You know, we're, we're very fortunate. Um, that must have been crazy times full stop. But how was it when you started going back into practice again? How was that when you, you sort of get back to City Street almost? It, it was easy. Uh, in fact, I kept practicing all the time I was in the service. I, I got to be the registrar of the base hospital, so I had my own quarters. So I had the hospital carpenters build me an adjusting table in my room. No way! And I would be seeing three or four or five people every day at a couple dollars a piece. I was making money. <laughs> I love it! So what was, the, what was the bench? Was it literally some, a bit, some wood, some two-by-fours? Yeah, sure. No, it was, it was a nice bench. It was a nice adjusting table. So, but then I got out of that 
and uh, sorry that is just an amazing story you know <laughs> everything that must have been going on and there you are asking the carpenter oh, i need a bench and still manage sure. those are the stories that's amazing sure. <laughs> what was so, the uh, if you don't mind me what was the treat what so you've, you've done a couple of checks you've seen some people what was the treat what did it go on was it a particular chocolate bar what was the treat at the end of the day with that a little <laughs> can of beer or two it has to have been i hope the money was spent well <laughs> it was uh, you know the guys the guys would need help and they'd catch up and i'd catch up from the medics every once in a while but i didn't i i didn't care we 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 had a good time <laughs> we, and uh, so but then i got out of that and then i went right right in i went back to palmer for about three months just to practice up on clinical skills so and uh, at the time you could go back they'd let you enroll yeah. was that enroll again yeah. or help and fellow or yeah yeah you could enroll again wow. and so i spent most of my time in clinic and then i then uh then there was a town 30 miles from where i was raised back in those days that was quite a ways <laughs> for sure and uh, i didn't have a car i didn't have didn't have a car so uh my brother and my dad found this location for me and so i started a new practice in a town uh, 30 miles away and i i walked to make house calls i walked to, it was really it was really interesting i would make house calls I had a little a little black bag that used to carry my neurochlometer. Did you ever hear of a neurochlometer? Yeah, of course, definitely. <laughs> okay. Put one back I, here somewhere, I think. I had my little black bag and I'd go make house calls and I'd go knock on a door and I'd say, do, do, do Pedics live here? And I said, no, they live down the street. Oh, I said, well, I'm Dr. Donovan. I'm a chiropractor <laughs> making a house call. And I, I met more people that way. I would always stop two or three places. I knew where they lived, but I'd stop two or three different places and they'd tell me where to go uh, i've never heard it so at that time there were people going back to palmer to effectively brush back up get the skills back to the level they were and then go back out i i, I don't know uh, i suppose there were i didn't pay much attention to you who just else head down and no That's, just, i just find that incredible because the mentality i mean particularly now if i took a long time off of active practice the thought of me going back to college now scares me i would certainly wouldn't want to go back kind of shows you the the place that palmer obviously was at that time that you actively wanted to go back to level up yeah yeah well i knew i had to level up i had for my own faith confidence and belief i had to level you see you can't sell something you don't own and if i wasn't if i wasn't up to up to snuff i would have a very difficult time practicing it, so that's a great yeah. statement isn't it you can't sell something you don't own but for you what is i know you've touched on philosophy and stuff for you, what, what, you must have seen so many chiropractors. What is the difference between the ones that you see that are being successful and, and making an impact in their community and others that have maybe either fallen by the wayside or, or not really have the desired effect on their communities that they want? Because you must have seen them over so many years. Attitude. Really? Attitude. Attitude, yeah. Faith, confidence, and belief in your own products, services, and ideas. FCB in your PSI, faith, confidence, and belief yeah. in your products, services, and ideas. Own it, and then you can sell it. If you don't own it, you can't sell it. And where does that ownership come from, do you think, for you within chiropractic? Uh, knowing that chiropractic works. Yeah. Knowing, knowing, that, that, knowing that as a chiropractor, you're the only one doing what you're going to do, 
and then there'll never be enough chiropractors in the world, never, because the chiropractors are one-on-one. -on -one. You can't delegate that to anybody, so it has to be your hands doing it. So you just have to keep on keeping on and let your hands do the job because you know, but plus the fact the feedback, the feedback you get from your patients is extraordinary. How many doctors at the end of the day have every patient get off their table or leave there and say, oh, thank you very much. Oh, that feels so much better. Just think about that. Think how would you have to be if you were a, a, a medical practitioner and you take this pill in two weeks, let me know how you feel. As a chiropractor, you get instant response. It's, it's, uh, it's almost selfish. The thrill is just amazing. And it doesn't seem as though you've lost any of that thrill. What's the secret? No, no, no. Well, the feedback, I, I guess I need, I need the feedback from my patients. The, my patients give me the feedback. So how many years would you, how many years have you been in practice now, if you don't mind me asking? How many years I've been in practice? Yeah. Uh, 70. 70 is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, like, I'm sorry to harp on, but that is an unbelievable figure. That <laughs> amount of years, of, it's insane. <laughs> Amazingly insane, but like I, I like the way that you were just sat there saying, you know, that's double my lifetime that you've been in service of this profession. It's, it's pretty. So in in your time, what have you seen has changed that you think is maybe a change for the better, and what have you seen changed that you believe isn't really helping us go where we need to go? I I think sometimes we hide our light under a bushel basket, and I don't think we're strong enough. We we spend too much time attempting to be accepted, and uh, we're already accepted. We're all accepted, and the people that walk in your door were already accepted. And if you do a good job, it's solidified, and that's all that's necessary. But we do rely. We do, and that's and I understand it. I surely understand it. How difficult it is for for someone to carry that load all themselves. Uh, you know, like you know, they get rebuffed by this, rebuffed by this, rebuffed by this. They think they get rebuffed by like that, but they don't get rebuffed nearly as much as they think they do. They just let the negative few things in their life overrule the positive many. There's so many good things. You never let the negative few overrule the positive many. Never go to sleep at night with a negative thought because it's accumulative. Always, always be grateful and thankful for the successes that you've had. That will soon eliminate all those negative things that happen to you. And it's an amazing, it's an amazing bit of advice, isn't it? Because a lot of us, we do. If there's, you know, we've had a week of seeing people with incredible results, we often hang on to the one or two that aren't quite responding as we wish. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Never let the negative few overrule the positive many. Remember, the rule in chiropractic is 80, 10, and 10. Okay. 80% going to get spectacular results. 10% going to get pretty good, and 10% not so well. So you take that 10% that's does not doing so well, send them to your colleague, and he'll get 80% of those better. Always, and always refer, if you're having trouble, with, you're having trouble with, a, with a patient, send them to your colleague. When I first had an automobile, I would have trouble with low backs, and there was a clinic in a town 100 miles away that was spectacular. They were known all over the Midwest for low back problems. I would load up a carload of guys and drive them up there, and they would and work with these guys all day long. They'd let me sit in there and watch them work. They'd sit down. They were called Teasons was their name. And they did adjusting sitting up. And one man would stand up and hold the upper body 
Another man would sit behind with his thumb and do the adjusting. It was a remarkable thing. And they get spectacular results. I didn't mind sending I'd take my failures and send them up there. And then pretty soon I got so I could do that. I could do that too. They teach me how to they teach me how to do that. Chiropractors are wonderful at teaching you how to do their successful experiences. <laughs> That's it. So an amazing story. It often is something we probably don't do enough, but is whenever you chat to, to people who've been around the profession for a longer time, certainly sounds like this was happening a lot more before than it is now. Whether now we, as practitioners, almost have this fear and hold on to people, but is that something you think you've seen? Or? Open yourself up to it. Find, yeah. your co find a colleague down the street. Find a colleague in the chiropractor that's not being adjusted on a regular basis. That's, that's, that's a must. The chiropractor must be adjusted on a regular basis. Mm. Uh, must be, and you must find a colleague close by. You know that that, that he, he can do that. So, I had my 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 brother practiced thirty miles away from me, and he practiced different than I did. And I would take the patients and put them in the car and haul them over there at night. And he would adjust them, and he'd look at me and he'd say, "Jack, it's right there. Don't you see that right there?" And I'd be so embarrassed sometimes. But the patient loved it, and I loved it too. And then he would do the same thing for me. He would bring his patients over, and I would grin him. I'd say, "Oh, here, it's right here. Here's where Aries where you missed it." So it, you have to get away from pride. You have to think about the patient. You have to think of that patient as though she's Mother Teresa. Every you ever hear Mother Teresa? Yeah, definitely, of course. Okay, okay well, <laughs> uh, you, you always look at that patient as though that patient is Mother Teresa. And how would you like to treat Mother Teresa? If you need a referral, refer them. Mm -hmm. If you need to send them to another chiropractor, send them to another chiropractor. But that, of course, comes from a huge clarity that, particularly with someone like yourself that has studied and read so much, you know exactly what your role is. You know exactly what you can offer somebody. And that, mm -hmm. you know, that understanding of the philosophy certainly breeds a lot more clarity, doesn't it, when you go into a clinical situation like that? Plus the fact you continue to expand your consciousness by studying with great guys. I studied with Gonstead a lot of time, got to know Clarence Gonstead really, really well, and uh, Lyle Sherman really, really well, and uh, uh, Thompson really, really well, and uh, Grostick really well, Van Rump really well, uh, Mortar really well, uh, Scott Walker really well, uh, Francis Murphy really well. Just trying to expand my consciousness and sometimes I would attempt to do their work and couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Couldn't do it. I, I studied with John Grostick for three years, flew to Ann Arbor, Michigan on weekends, tried it for three years and I could not do it more than about 30% of the time. So I, I, I gave up that. It just wasn't for me to do that particular thing. So I abandoned that and went to another, another area. Just always trying to expand my consciousness. So you said there about Clarence Gonstead. I know one of the guys that will definitely be listening to this is a, a friend of ours, Christian, who is uh, certainly a big fan of Gonstead. Have you got any any good experiences or stories of your time? Yeah, you go to Gonstead. I ask. I met Clarence Gonstead at Davenport at, at a thing called Lyceum. They used to have it in a big tent outside, and he saw me and he said, "Young man, would you adjust my axis?" And I said, "Sure, we'll find a." A table. He said, "No, here, do it sitting up here." I'd never adjusted anybody sitting up, and he said, <laughs> "Did you know who it was before? Was this before all of the fame?" No, no, he was very famous, but I didn't know him. Okay, I didn't. I, I, I knew the name, but I didn't know him. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, yeah. 
said, he said, I'll show you how to do this. And he sat back and I leaned back and he leaned back. And he said, now thrust, and I did. And he said, oh, that was a great, that was great. That's exactly how you're supposed to do that. And I looked at his badge and it was Clarence Gonstead. And then I apologized for not knowing him and not recognizing him. And he said, you're welcome to come visit my clinic anytime. Wow. So I was the very next weekend, I went up to his clinic, then walked in and it was clinic was a, you walked in the front door and there was a cashier. The first thing you saw was a cashier with yeah. a cash register. And then around the sides, each side in the round circular area were seats. Was this and up at Mount? Um... Mount Orb. Yeah, Mount yeah. Orb. Mount Orb. So you, the, you, you just went and you got a ticket. Okay. And then sat there and waited and it was $5 in adjustment. And he just, they just followed through there, just followed through. But he let me come back and watch him. He had gigantic hands. He was the gentlest adjuster. Really? Gentle, gentle, gentle. He would cradle the, cradle the patient in there and almost a little thrust like that. Just a gentle thing. And, uh, and uh, he, he was remarkable. He, he was remarkable. Patients started to get fixed before they ever got on his table because of the, the faith and confidence to believe that he radiated. He was Did he, he just, have quite an enigmatic personality. Was he very magnetic as a no, he was just a, he was a bundle of love, like a big bear. He just, you just, you just loved it. You just wanted, you wanted, you wanted him to hold you. So what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> you hold me <laughs> And he had this, and then he, that was his first clinic. And then he built uh, this huge, big clinic. Uh, uh, in fact, that I knew the boys that took it over. They were from Raton, New Mexico. Uh, you know, I think I think it would be around '64 that he opened the big one, and about '74 that he sold it. Around those, don't don't quote me on that. I'm not. I'm sure there's someone listening that knows exactly the dates. I I I, I don't ask me on dates. Yeah, I don't remember. I heard. So that must have been fascinating going up there then. And oh, it was. when you're Very watching, fast. technically, was it stuff that you were like, "Wow, I would never be able to do that"? Because it's often a story that I hear passed down. You know, because of his hands, he could adjust in different ways. Is that you true? Never you never looked at that. You, 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 you took, I took his classes in and how to analyze films and how to, how to do this and how to do that. You never, you, you never felt inadequate. He never would let you feel inadequate, even though you, you assumed that because he had this posture, but, but he never made you feel inadequate. He was a wonderful teacher, wonderful teacher. He'd say, you almost have it. You're going to get it. You're going to, he was very encouraging. He was a delightful teacher. That, that's fascinating. That is yeah, fascinating. So, yeah. out of all of all, you must have seen some incredible. Who, in your time, was like the one person you either heard speak or learnt from that really made a huge impact on you? Is there? Because for me, I have certain memories. You know, Reggie Blind, Valley Valley of the Blind. I remember where I listened to that. I remember exactly where I was. It had a huge effect. There's certain other people I've seen live, but I mean, at the time that you were, you know, studying, learning, and attending and speaking at these conferences. I mean, you must have heard some of the greats. Strange have been seen. Jim Parker. Have you ever heard of Jim Parker? Yeah, of course. Definitely. We've listened to a lot of this stuff. Jim Parker changed my life. Really? I had, a, I had a very successful practice, and one of my friends was having a very difficult time just 30 miles away, and he wanted to go to Parker. And so I said, well, I'm kind of busy, but no, I'll go with you. I'll, I'll go with you. So we took a train in January 
1954, January, cold, 23 below zero. We took a train from my town to Chicago, another train to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Cold, it was so cold, so cold. And I sat in Jim Parker's class from a Friday, Saturday, from eight in the morning till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I was exhausted, 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 exhausted. But he changed my life. He changed, he cleansed me of negative thinking. Really? I had, oh, absolutely. He cleansed me of negative thinking. That was a, I shed, I shed the mantra. I shed any, any, I had no doubt from that day on. No doubt from that day on. And then he became and, heavily involved in Parker, no? Oh, very, yeah. I became, yeah, totally. I totally got involved with Parker. Totally. Yeah, helped, helped start the college. Helped, uh, you know, yeah. But uh, it was, uh, then I was on his board of trustees. You were trustees, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, still a trustee, yeah. I, I thought you were still in. So in your, in the years that you've been involved in education, what do you see as like the main differences from someone who graduates from a chiropractic college now to say somebody who graduated 50 years ago? Because we hear a lot of people saying different stuff. I'd love to hear it, your opinion. The, the enormous debt. Really? the enormous debt hangs over these young men and they're inclined to do anything in order to make some money to get going. Mm -hmm. And that's the difficult, I see that as it, I, I, I would think back, I put myself in their place because I had no debt, it didn't hardly cost me any, back in the day I suppose it was a lot of money but it didn't seem like a lot of money. I got my tuition for 18 months at Palmer was $500. Yeah, I've, what would that be with with inflation? It oh, would be, it, but yeah. still not what it is today. People are leaving with yeah. mountains. Yeah. No, uh, and I and I worked all the time. I worked at a packing plant in Davenport, so I didn't have any debt when I got out of there. And uh, so, uh, uh, but the debt that these young men have, and, and a lot of them get a government loan, and they live pretty, they live too high while they're in college and then they get out of college and that loan has to start paid back within six months and they're barely existing. Yeah. And uh, they run with that fear, fear and anxiety. They don't expect to be successful immediately, which is, I think is a dilemma. I just expect to be successful. Expect to open your doors, expect to be successful. Knock on doors, whip out cards. You was that just all, the norm, though? Was that the norm when you graduated? Everyone had the mentality that you were going to be successful, that you were going out there. It was very, you know, mission-oriented. People came out I with don't, fire. I don't, I don't know about everybody, but it was what, it was beat into my brain that you're going to be successful because you got to eat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was not. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a choice. It wasn't a choice. You you just worked at it. You kept your office open. Uh, I worked six days a week and three nights. Really, uh, but I developed a very big practice in a in a hurry. Mm. Hurry, but uh, I was fortunate. I was really fortunate. Wow! Often the town. people that said they were fortunate are the ones that worked the hardest. I think that's pretty <laughs> pretty pretty true. But I was fortunate. I, when my doors were open, I had people to see. Yeah! 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 And so uh, I was just, I was a lucky, lucky guy. But we had, in those days, we had, I'll, I'll bet, I'll bet in the, in the 50s, 
late 60s, early 60s, uh, we built probably 30 new clinics in my part of Iowa. Really? All, all Parker graduates, all brown baggers. We had a, 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 a group, a club called Brown Baggers. When I graduated from Parker, he gave us all a brown bag when we graduated. We're brown baggers. And we used to have monthly meetings and we'd get together and we'd share our successes and share our failures, get our families together. Everybody'd have an adjust-a-thon. You'd adjust everybody, be adjusted by everybody, and then go back and give them hell on Monday morning again. We, we, were, we were flying. A lot, of, a lot of huge practices. Huge, huge. It, uh, that is amazing, isn't it, as well, that... The you symmetry left college, you still kept that that bond, and and we're still growing and and the the learning now. And obviously, you know, from our chats earlier, I know that learning is still a huge part of what you do now. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it just it, you just it, you, you just have to keep on keeping on, and you got to think about what you think about when you think about it. You can't let the negative few experiences in your life overrule the positive many. Can't do that. You got to think about what you think about when you think about it. Whatever you think about your body, that's what's going to happen. So you think success, health, and happiness for every mother, father, brother, sister, child in the world. Give away what you want, mm -hmm. and that's what will come back to you. I, I think it's amazing. I'm sure I could carry on asking you a million questions, and I don't want to want to get you too caught up in, uh, in things you don't want to talk about. I don't want to drop, drop the wrong question, but... Just to finish up, I think uh, one of the questions that we ask everyone on the show is, why is the philosophy of chiropractic so important? And that's something I'd certainly love to Pardon repeat. Me. repeat why is question. the philosophy of chiropractic so important? Why is the philosophy of chiropractic so important? Philosophy, it's, philosophy is, it's a life philosophy. It, it, it's, it's, it's a true philosophy. It's a true of, of how to establish what you eat, you drink, you breathe, you rest, you exercise, and what you think. All those things categorize into how you feel and act the rest of your life. How you feel about yourself, how you feel about others, depend upon the energy that you have within you and the energy and how you feed your own innate, how you feed your own innate physically, mentally, morally, all those things feedback come back to you. Uh, all, all those things, and it just relegates itself to that kind of energy. Anything you put in your subconscious has a tendency to come true. Be damn careful what you put in there. Mm. Don't plant any seed you don't want to grow. Definitely. On that, I think that is a, an amazing note to, to end on. Honestly, sir, thank you so much for spending this time. I, you've got lots of loved ones and, uh, and lots of people that you could be spending your time with. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for indulging some of my fanboy questions at, at some of the old times. Uh, and hopefully for people listening in, that has given you something to think about. Um, Thanks again for listening. Please make sure you give us a follow on Facebook and also subscribe to the podcast so that you can hear our next one. Thank you once again, Dr. Donovan. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much.